The following live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati is presented by agamayoga.com. We started this morning talking about principles of yoga. How does yoga work? I told you those very important things. And we have even started applying them, doing some practice. But we have never talked about what actually yoga is. What can it offer to the human being? Why do people do yoga? That means many people would say, wow, if I'm going to do some yoga, I would like to know what am I going to poke my head into. Maybe it's something I don't want to do. Of course, some of the things which I said today, they already might have given you a hint of some things in yoga. But usually I'm introducing to people this concept of yoga because it is very often misunderstood. Even in the West, where people try to have a more synthetic view of things, not as phantasmagoric as the Indians sometimes have it. And also in India, where it is a traditional land of yoga and you have the origins of it, sometimes yoga is very misunderstood. Most often we find yoga relegated to a simple gymnastics. That means people would say, we do yoga and meditation. Meditation is not yoga, it's something else. It's funny because actually meditation is traditionally one of the levels of yoga. It's one of the steps of yoga. So when you say yoga, you should automatically consider that you said meditation. This confusion is created by the fact that yoga is taken more in its asana thing, the gymnastic external aspect, and people see in it a kind of contortionism. And because they forgot many of these traditional secrets about concentration, energy, states of mind, levels of consciousness, how can you actually uh, do yoga better and better? Then the only way in which you can make a contest with each other is actually to do it perfectly physical. And this is how there appear different schools who teach a brand of Hatha Yoga, let's call it, although it's probably even less than that, in which the whole emphasis in how to be is how to be as contortionistic as possible. That automatically denies many of the essences of yoga and limits the access of many people to yoga, which is something else. And because of this, actually, people don't put spiritual value on it. They, even in India, many Babas and Gurus will say, oh, you are doing yoga, good, good, yes, yes. Many Americans do yoga, yes, yes, it's very good, yes. But the meaning of it, when you go a bit deeper in it, is that yoga is some tourist stupid thing. Of course, it's better to do yoga than to go in a bar and get drunk and do something really stupid. But uh, if you do yoga, it's a kind of a superficial thing because, sorry, those people who do yoga, they are just some fitness fanatics, you know. They can do in the morning yoga, in the night they go and get drunk and do stupid things. They, are, they can have reckless sex, they can do this and that. Basically, it's kind of, you know, there is nothing holy about this yoga. So in this way, what I'm trying to say is that unfortunately yoga is relegated to some kind of gymnastics. There are people who say, yeah, yeah, this yoga which Westerners do is not the real spiritual yoga. It's some kind of, okay, you are bending the body and you are getting to be a healthy animal. You know, you are a fit, healthy animal. What's the big deal? You know, children are also healthy most of the time or whatever. 
So this creates a very big confusion, you know, you go and you see yoga treated as a gymnastics, it seems to, make, to miss the spiritual dimension altogether, it is done mostly for fitness reasons or sometimes a little bit for healing, and even there in healing people would not go too far, that means you will seldom find people who have claims like, look we are doing yoga and through this yoga you can heal a cancer. No, that's kind of over the limit. We don't want to say such a thing. We can be incriminated legally or whatever. We don't want to take any responsibility. So one way over the other, yoga unfortunately for most people in the West and in India is relegated to a gymnastic thing. If, if it is not so, for many people it becomes a mystic thing. It's one of those Hindu weird mystical things that means yoga. Oh, it's yoga is something which you do in Indian ashrams and therefore it must be related with worshipping of Indian deities many westerners go in Indian ashrams they are surprised it's an ashram of yoga I mean we knew that yoga is something which you do with the body with the mind with the emotions too. you go in an ashram the first rule is that you have to do patriotic work you, know, you have to clean the toilet you have to go in the kitchen you have to okay we can live with that uh, the next rule is that you have to wake up 4.30 in the morning or 5 o'clock but you don't wake up to do yoga, actually you wake up to do the fire ceremony, which is a pretty incomprehensible thing for a westerner, or you wake up to do some puja to some deities that you don't even know or understand or whatever. So the funny thing is in the middle of the ashram there is an altar, there are some deities belonging to Hinduism. Many people would say, yeah, right, yoga is some form of Hindu religion, therefore. And therefore, put into these things, I could emphasize, make it more hilarious, but I think you got the point here. Many people have a double, relation, double reaction to this. You know, I mean, I'm leaving aside those who believe yoga is just gymnastics and it's a Hollywood thing and it's a fitness thing and it's a cheap uh, stuff like this. The other people who investigated more to the roots, they say, okay, it's a religious thing. Then some people say, look, if it's a religious thing, I don't, I'm not interested in it. I've got my own religion, you know, I mean, I can practice my own religion. Why should I complicate my life with this thing, you know? Other people, on the contrary, they take it and they say, well, if this is what you have to do, this is what you have to do, you know, if this is what the yogis do, I want to be a yogi, so let's do it. So you find them after two years, they do also fire ceremonies, thread ceremonies, all kind of weird rituals and so on. Many people can ask, are rituals part of yoga? Do you need to become Hinduized to be able to do yoga? What about Tibetan yoga? What about yoga taken in other cultures? Isn't that also yoga? What is it actually? So this is the funny thing, and I want always to call the attention of people on this one thing. Please, separate them in your mind. Yoga is not a religion. Yoga, although born in India, is not part of the Hindu religion. A religion is a religion and yoga is yoga. Nobody, starting with Professor Mircea Eliade and all the great academics who wrote PhDs on yoga and related issues, nobody has ever qualified yoga for being a religion. Because it isn't. It is lacking all the things of religion. It does not require any belief. It is not based on a belief. If you believe or not, you are going to do this thing and it's going to do exactly the same to you either you believe or not in God or in various other things it is just working in an almost scientific way 
It is not based on a theology and dogma, there is nothing, no, there are no books of yoga which says you should believe like this, the reality is only like this, blah blah blah. There is no, there is no hierarchy or priesthood, that means in the yoga there is no pope, there is no bishop, there is nobody who gives you absolution, there is nobody who is between you and God or anything or you and the universe and the experience. That's why actually for these reasons and a few others I will not insist, Yoga has never been catalogued as a religion. It's true that the yogis look into themselves. They investigate the nature of consciousness. They ask themselves about the nature of reality and what is this universe made of? Who made this universe? And what is our relationship with the creator of the universe? If there is a human soul, then what is the fate and the evolution, the becoming of the human soul? But these are legitimate questions. The philosophers ask them also, only that the yogis do some practice to find the answer. They say that the answer should not just be an intellectual speculative question, but the answer should be also a practical one which comes directly from yourself. That is why actually many people do not hesitate to call yoga a science because it actually it is scientific. It speaks about some clear principles, some reproductible experiments, with one difference. The way we call science today in the Western culture is that we call science like mathematics and physics, that is the positive science. Yoga is not such a science. Yoga is rather what could be called in terms of philosophy of science an empirical science. But yes, it preserves rather the characteristics of scientific thinking because it's like a laboratory experiment. I am the laboratory and I'm doing some experiments with myself, breathing in a certain way, focusing on a mantra, using a color, doing this and that, and then I see the results. And the results are predictable, they are reproductible. If 10 people do the same experiment, roughly the result will be the same, and so on. So basically, we, we need to separate conceptually yoga from Hinduism. Hinduism is one of the major religions of this world. It has its own wonderful parts and everything. If you want to turn Hindu, you are very welcome to do so. But yoga has got nothing to do with that. It is a different altogether issue. That is why it is important to define it, to see what it is, because people are split between being afraid of Indian mysticism and guru cults and things like this, and being split between just a reduction to gymnastics just a materialistic bending over and that is it. So the truth must be somewhere else, it's between these two extremes. I will not bother you by telling you scholarly thing. When did yoga appear? Because nobody knows factually. Um, when was the first text of yoga ever written down in history? What is the meaning of the word yoga in Sanskrit language? And stuff like this. If you want, there are very good books which introduce you to the history of yoga. Search Professor Mircea Eliade, who is one of the best still after a hundred years, who wrote the first PhD on yoga. His thesis on yoga is called Yoga, Immortality and Freedom. It's still a fabulous book today in an abrupt academic language, but really to the point, analyzing all aspects of history of yoga and all kind of academic things. The truth is that the yogis couldn't care less about academic things in this way because they say a gram of practice is worth of theory. That means we can talk about chakras for two months, but if you do yoga three days, you will know more about the chakras than if you, to if you talked about them three months. Because simply the practice makes you feel it, 
use it, understand it, and then it becomes part of your life. That is why the yogis, of course, they have been very contented with their practice and deriving the results out of yoga. And the fact that yoga can be defined in so many ways is sometimes puzzling for the Westerner. That means yoga can be defined as a philosophical system. It is one of the six classical darshanas of India. It is a moral and ethical system. It is a gymnastic of the Babas. It is a magic for obtaining paranormal powers. It is a religion. It is a path to self-realization. It is a, it is a life. It is a style of life. Uh, lifestyle, etc., etc., etc. You can go to academic definitions like yoga means union. Yoga is the union between the individual soul and the universal soul. Whoa! What's the individual soul? What's the universal soul? Who can tell you first that there is a universal soul after all? Therefore, all these kind of definitions, they hide a lot of definitions and assumptions in them. Therefore, they are not at all practical. And if I'm giving you 20, 30, 50, 100 different definitions, you'll just get puzzled. Somebody compared, Ramakrishna once compared, and he said it's exactly like five blind people trying to describe an elephant. And one gets it by the trunk and he says that the elephant looks like a snake. And the other one gets it by the leg and he says that the elephant looks like a pillar. And the other one touches the belly of the elephant and he says that the elephant looks like a wall and the other one touches the tusk and it says it looks like an ivory sharp thing and the other one catches the tail and it says it's a long thing with a tuft of hair on top basically none of them can describe the elephant each one of them is describing like an aspect of it and because they are blind they cannot see the whole reality that is why I'm not trying to bother you with the academics of yoga what did Patanjali say and so on I would rather try to tell you a few things about yoga practically that means it is more important, I think, for you as Western mentality people to understand what yoga does. What is it good for? Why do people come to yoga? What can you expect to get from it? And then you can put any definition you want on it. You can call it a philosophical system, an occult science, whatever you want to call it. It really doesn't matter for me and for the yogis from a practical standpoint what you call it. It matters if you get the point and also for you it matters if you do it or not if you get the results or not. Yoga gives you results, roughly speaking, on four different levels. And the first one of them is the level of body, health, energy. That means simply you want to deal with your body and to do things which sound almost impossible to the body, do yoga, deal with yoga. In yoga, this health issue is very, very developed. That means in everything which deals with energy, energizing, healing, vitality, revitalization, regeneration, rejuvenation, balancing of the body, purification, and all related issues, yoga will do miraculous things. It is true that in the 1970s, the hippie type of people, they had this uh, attraction to the eastern things, and then yoga became a bit caricatural, because everybody was doing yoga, uh, but actually they were doing a surrogate of yoga and not the serious things and uh, it was kind of a flop eventually because people say yeah, yeah, you can heal cancer with yoga forget about it and so on 
that means there has been a lot of disappointment as well because of wise acredness and superficiality people doing things uh, in a superficial way but the fact is that medical research and thorough experiment in yoga shows that actually yoga is an amazing healing instrument now I would like to make it clear we have even recently had one of our friends in yoga who fell down and broke his leg in such a situation yoga is of no use it's true that the doctors and his friends noticed that the guy was healing with an amazing speed that even the x-rays proved that what should have happened in four weeks it actually happened in one week of healing and stuff like this but still yoga could not help all the way you fell down and broke your leg or you have been run down by a truck you need a surgeon to stitch you together to sew you together yoga cannot do it there are many limits of yoga um, you are crazy completely nuts shouldn't come to yoga because if I'm telling to you relax, focus your mind in the left leg and do this and meanwhile you are just blah, 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 then it's like we don't have a dialogue I'm talking and I'm talking to nobody and basically therefore remember that there are many limits to yoga there are many things which yoga cannot do but on the other hand when you will hear that the doctors in India medical doctors not belonging to any organization they reported for decades that in yoga hospitals from India they have been healing, healing, not ameliorating or delaying, healing cancer, 85%, no chemotherapy, no surgery, no radiations, then you'd be amazed because today we are spending tens of billions of dollars every year on cancer research cancer is still the number two killer in the world so I don't think there is anyone here of you who doesn't have a member of your family who didn't kick the bucket with cancer and basically people keep dying of cancer it's a terrible ordeal for most of them indescribable pain sometimes and stuff like this and there is a method which can heal it for free basically 85% at least because they say it could be a hundred actually and still we don't get to hear about it we almost get indignated it's like cry, screaming conspiracy right because nobody earns any money out of this if you teach people yoga the pharmaceuticals will go bankrupt because nobody will buy the stupid medicine anymore again I would not say that stupid medicine is altogether stupid you go to the surgeon because of an accident he needs to do you some shots with painkillers and stuff like this whatever you need solid medication there they are good but in certain types of things yogis would say that to try for example to heal cancer by medicine and by surgery is completely absurd when yoga can do it in a totally different way friendly naturally do it yourself that is uh, a thing which has been accredited by medical statistics not by hippies again it's medical doctors who have signed their name that they have observed cases for years and they have simply noticed that they could get healed through yoga and many of these doctors in India for example they say they could get healed 100% because some people come too late they don't do the diet or what they are said they have been undergoing too much surgery so they don't have one lung, the liver, whatever how should they live? the body cannot regenerate if you come too late to yoga that's why of course it's a good idea for you that if one of you or those dear to you ever get in trouble of this kind it's not only cancer I'm talking about a million things here from diabetes to pneumonia or whatever 
you should think twice before you do stupid things to your body because they may be irreversible. If a woman is getting a breast cancer, the doctor will suit you immediately and say if we cut it off, you will never get it again or it will come back in five years or whatever statistics show that blah 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 and blah blah blah. But you know there is a method by which you don't have to cut it off to start with. You can keep your good old breast given by mother nature and become healthy just by diet and doing yoga. So in this way it is possible there is no need to go in those directions, only that the medical science doesn't want to say it openly because it kind of undermines their reputation, their authority, that some hocus-pocus from India would be able to do such amazing things. That is why, please remember, but at the same time I must say one very important thing. Yoga promotes uh, cause-oriented medicine, a medicine which is a do-it-yourself. In yoga, I am never healing you. You are healing yourselves. If ever you want to do that, you need to put effort. There is diet, there is a number of minutes and hours of yoga to be done every day. There is change of lifestyle, the hours of sleeping, the time of this, the way of managing your sexual energy. There is a lot of things to be taken care of. And then you win. You fight with the disease. I can only recommend the methods. It's the know-how. But you have to walk the walk. That is why many people have this perversion. They don't want to do it. They would like this perverted, westernized type of mentality in which you can live your life badly and then you give a hundred bucks because what the heck, money talks, right? So you give the money and the doctor should give you the miracle pill and you should be healthy again. Like, for example, I am a violent person. I am beating people up and doing things in my family and whatever. I am eating like shit. I am behaving terrible and I am drinking and taking drugs and whatever. And of course my body falls apart because it's just the law of nature. It's just natural. But I have uh, the pig's shamelessness. I would like a miracle pill to make me healthy in spite of my wrongdoings. And so that I can just continue. You know, here is a hundred bucks. Give me the miracle pill. Ha! Ah, I am well again. <clears throat> and now we start abusing all over again. If you believe in that kind of medicine, you are utopian, you are living in a superstitious world. The yogis say that can never work, it's a superstition to believe that you can do that. And that is why yoga doesn't believe in it. And that is why I must admit that I have seen people who are so stubborn in their ways, that they wouldn't change their ways. They had cancer, and all they had to do was to do one hour of yoga per day, and to turn vegetarian, and to do a few things, and they wouldn't. Just too much. They prefer to die of cancer rather than to do this. This is almost a demonic thing. I mean, if you want to die jeering like this, that you, then you are welcome. It's a, your own experiment. After all, yoga cannot be used for this kind of people. If you are open to try, to be open, to make the efforts, yoga can make amazing things. In these yoga courses, and also since I have seen yoga around me, I have seen people healed for anything starting with cancer and finishing with you name it. Until today I have not yet seen a person with HIV positive healed by yoga because I never had under care or in the company such a person. And because of this I cannot uh, say that look I know even a case of this. Theoretically in yoga even this is possible. There is no reason why it shouldn't be possible. But since I haven't seen it, I can say, okay, this one I don't know. But for the rest, taking, excluding all the common sense things, like people lacking an arm or things like this, 
because you cannot grow an arm back by doing yoga that should be obvious so this being said yoga does indeed miraculous things from the standpoint of health and the body that is why many people come to yoga attracted by this I'm having some pancreas problem the doctor said you can't do it I'm having chronic fatigue I'm having this, I'm having that I can never manage to solve it what to do? you come and do yoga you see miracles with your own eyes many people actually get convinced by the efficiency of yoga first realizing first accomplishing miraculous things with their body only three weeks of yoga and you feel very very different in your body you can ask people who have been here and you will see examples I have sometimes had examples of people who are so ill they had cancer in the liver and so on they couldn't even stand up for a whole yoga program they couldn't stand up more than one minute or two they were that close to their death and they came and did yoga and they got healed and they are still around to tell the story and I have seen people who are 70 years old and they couldn't stand up they were walking with crutches with, with uh, supports for walking actually not with the classical crutches and they still then they did yoga it was very difficult in the beginning they had to fight a lot and then there was amazing after one month they were dancing around and saying oh my god I never thought I could feel like this again or do this that is why it's just a matter of checking and my opinion is that it is such a wonderful gift to be free of this medical paranoia you know everybody puts money for medical insurance let's put some white money for the black days that will be coming you know there are people like the yogis you know who never worried about the black days that would come because the black days can never come actually if you take care of your body and do yoga you don't need to be ill you don't need to be ill at all why should you always be worried that you don't have medication that you don't have vaccination that you don't have this and this for example whenever I'm coming to India to Thailand people keep asking me are you prepared did you take vaccination did you do this did you? no I never take anything I never think about the medical problem it never seems to exist I am aware that if I would get in an accident like break my leg then I would need some medication or something but that is just an accident which of course by being careful I can as well look a little bit around and so on but else the normal thing like people say oh what if you will get a liver disease no I won't I believe I won't because doing yoga you simply don't I have looked around I have looked at old yogis I have looked at young yogis and I have seen that when they get a liver disease they can immediately or whatever is just an example they can deal with it I once had a very good friend, just to tell you how it works, once he got contaminated with hepatitis. He had a girlfriend and his girlfriend got hepatitis. And this guy got all the symptoms, yellow skin, whatever, in the eyes, in the urine, in the feces, you know. He was obviously having big time hepatitis. And then he went to my yoga teacher in those days and he said, what to do, you know, I'm having hepatitis, go to the hospital or what? And my yoga teacher said, no, he said, start doing one hour and a half of Udhyana Banda, one hour and a half of Nauli Kriya every day, and forget about it. This guy did it in three days, he was straight as rain. He was completely okay. He never had any problem. It's Twenty years since this happened, he never had any problem since then. He never kept special diet for it. He just did three days of intense yoga. Kaput hepatitis. That is how you deal with things in yoga. It's a very relieving way. It's a very de-stressing way that you don't need to worry about all those things and have all this paranoia, think about disease and other things. That is my opinion that people should all know yoga. You should teach it to your families. You should teach it to your children. It's a do-it-yourself. It's a know-it-yourself thing 
It would be so much more simple if many people would know yoga and would be able to go around healing themselves, healing their near ones and so on. It would make life so much more simple. It's true, it would make doctors a little bit more bankrupt, but that is not our problem. We are not economical consultants here. So, um, This being said, I will not insist with it. I hope you got the point. Yoga is a wonderful thing for the body, for healing. Whatever you want to do, lose weight, purify, change things in your body, whatever, you can do it with yoga. You will discover being in a yoga course, you will receive enough methods for dealing with those things, and then it's just a matter that you want to do it, and you do it. You put the necessary effort. Healing and doing things in yoga without some personal effort is not possible. If you want to do it lazily, by paying money or something, it doesn't work. Nobody can do yoga for you. You need to do it. That is why it's something in which you take responsibility for your own body and life. The second thing where yoga acts, what other things can we do with yoga? We can very nicely improve our lives. That means some people in India have invented this silly superstition that yoga is like a religious thing for monks, for Buddha, for things like this and kind of you can use yoga for uh, seeing God or seeing auras or whatever, becoming spiritualized, but uh, it wouldn't cross anybody's mind to use yoga for making love better or to use yoga for having a more beautiful relationship with your lover or to use yoga for being better at accounting and doing business or to use yoga to become better bargainer or to use yoga for running the marathon faster or to use yoga to play chess better or to use yoga for just passing your college exams easier and faster that means why not? why shouldn't we use yoga for giving quality to our lives? it's true there is a limitation if you want to use yoga for becoming a better murderer for the Italian mafia that's what I would say you better shouldn't do that because you shouldn't use yoga for killing and mayhem and this kind of things <coughs> but else if you want to use yoga for the legitimate quests of the human being the beautiful things of life why not? why shouldn't you use it? that is why the yogis are very open they say you name it and we are going to tell you if yoga can help you in that direction because yoga can help in so many directions. You want vitality, you want sexual energy, you want willpower, you want courage, you want abolishing of your laziness and more dynamism, you want more open heart, you want more artistic creativity, one more intuition. Why not? You can have them and use them in daily life. That is why the yogis believe that when you do yoga, you become like those kind of people. I don't know if you have ever met this kind of people, because there are people who use yoga in this way, <clears throat> who use yoga just to be a little bit better than the others. Can you resist cold? I can resist cold. I know a yoga breathing, which makes me very resistant to cold. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes it's just showing up. Sometimes it can be a dire necessity. I live in hard conditions and I need to be resistant to cold. My feet and hands are never freezing. It's good for me. Or I am an academic kind of person. I am a scholar. I have to study a lot. I have to read a lot. I have to memorize a lot. How to make my mind better? Am I able to sit straight 10 hours and study with no coffee and no stimulants? just to read and not to lose my concentration 
Yes, with yoga you are able to. That is why there are people who use this yoga just to improve their daily life. They say, I want to be better at this, so before I start studying, I do 30 minutes of yoga, my Arjuna Chakra is open, then I open my books and study, and it goes so much better. What a wonderful creative intelligence. These are people who understood that you can use yoga for improving your life. You can use yoga for anything. You'll be flabbergasted. You can use yoga to become more charismatic. Let's suppose you are a photo model, a fashion photo model. Very superficial in a way, you'd say, right? Very svadistanistic occupation. And yet, if you want to use yoga in such a way that next time when they'll put your photo on the cover of a magazine, you should become three times more charismatic and people should, you know, simply trash the magazine and say, wow, who is this girl? She's so amazingly charming and so on. You can do it. You can charge your photos in such a way that they can become more charismatic. And why not? Having more success, if that is your belief, if that is your line in life, what's wrong with having more success in that? And why not using yoga for that? That is why all things are legitimate here. The Hindu life, the Hindu background actually says very clearly that a lot of things in life are just legitimate, like material prosperity, love, and uh, eroticism as well as a good integration in the spiritual life, in the religious life to be at peace with your religious environment are all of them quite legitimate quests of the human being that is why, please be aware the yogis say that you can become a better human being more willpower, more heart more memory and people around you will even get to appreciate you and they said, Michael is so cool, you know Michael is the best in concentration. When you give a project to Michael, Michael always can finish it. You know, he has such a tremendous power of work. Where does Michael get his power of work from? From yoga. He does yoga for it. So basically yoga can even promote it. This was one of the big ideas in Maharishi Mahesh Yogi's Transcendental Meditation, where he even claimed that people who will do TM will become more successful, they will naturally be chosen to be leaders in the collectives where they will work, because they will be the most calm, the most harmonious, the most productive, and people will see it's like a superiority, because you simply use yoga to make yourself better. So in this way, the second level is that some people try to make their lives better. Why? Because this is how we are, human beings. We think that life is short, we want to do many things, Every one of you would like at the same time to be Albert Einstein and to drive fast cars and to bungee jump and to fall in love in a love which should be the love, the amazing one, you know. Everybody wants to experience everything, to be adventurer, scholar, lover, everything at the same time. But sometimes we don't seem to have energy. We seem to collapse, you know, because we can't. Like, it's easy to say, oh, I wanted to be a doctor, but I don't have enough memory to learn all those stupid Latin names, and I never became a doctor. Why? Yoga says, do some yoga, and after six months of yoga, you will have enough memory to go to the medical school and to do it. If your dream is to be a doctor, why shouldn't you become a doctor after all? Just because you declare yourself defeated and say, no, I cannot concentrate, I cannot learn all those things. Yes, you can. Yoga can give you the instruments for it. You can sometimes screw up relationships. You know, I am having a relationship with a girl. She is a very loving person. I am an egoistic, dry person. How will it go? It will not work, right? 
Can I change myself? Some people will say, no, you cannot, because I have also always been egoistic and I have never loved anyone in my life. Right. But yoga says you can learn to love. You can open your heart chakra and feel love for the first time. And if you work three years stubbornly on it, you can become so loving that your friends won't recognize you. You will say, how have you changed so much? Basically, the yogis say, don't declare yourself defeated. You can change things in you, and therefore, it is possible. You can use yoga for the concerns of daily life. It is not forbidden or wrong to use yoga for the daily life. As long as you don't use it for destructive, evil kind of things. You will see that yoga has a chapter which deals with morality. If yoga says, if you use yoga to kill, then you would better not have done yoga to start with. It was a bad choice after all. But that you are going to hear about in this yoga course later, starting with next week. Now we are still focusing on some of the basics. So yoga to become just a better, more cool human being, to be able to do things better, faster, bigger, whatever you would like to call them. Right. I cannot insist enough on that. It can make people so happy after all that they can push themselves into superior accomplishments. Third level. Many people have heard that in yoga, if you go deeper than this, you start exploring supernatural things of mind, that the mind actually apparently can do things which the normal person has got not developed, such as seeing auras and chakras and invisible energies with your mind eye, such as being able to exert clairvoyance, which means to see things in the past, in the future, at a distant location, to be able to exert telepathy, like to feel people's thoughts, to feel people's emotions, like being able to exert, I don't know, a million other things appear in this. And the yogis say it's true. It's not as thrilling as it sounds to the beginner, but yes, it's true. In yoga, you will find information which will make it possible for a human being also to develop extraordinary things of the mind with only one mention. These things, they take a lot of time and a lot of perseverance. That means it takes a lot of time to win the marathon, takes a lot of time to become a great chess player, takes a lot of time to be able to juggle with eight balls or to be able to walk on a rope between two tall buildings. Naturally, it will take a lot of time for you to learn to fly in the air or to materialize and dematerialize objects or things of the kind. But the yogis say, nevertheless, it's possible. If you are stubborn enough to sit down today and to start training three, three years every day, two hours for just this or this, you will get it. You will get it unavoidably. It's simply a matter of masterliness. And the yogis do not explain this as miracles. Wow! A yogi did a miracle. You know, in India there are many stories about different yogis who did different things and sometimes things happen anyhow. But the yogis do not consider them miraculous. They simply say electricity 300 years ago would have been miraculous. What is so miraculous about electricity? Do you think that there are no other forces of the universe? Of course there are many forces of the universe that we humanity don't know. In 500 years, maybe scientists on this planet, they will manipulate some forces and some things that you can't even dream today about, and they will do like, beam me up, Scotty, all kind of Star Trek-like things, and they'll just seem normal because now we are 
scientifically advanced. In this way, the yogis simply say that through yoga, many yogis have already discovered these forces by meditation. It's because you can feel them. Example, we can state that there is some force produced by the full moon. And there is. You know that it has been actually measured statistically. Firemen, police, hospitals, mental hospitals, they all know that they should be on alert on the full moon day because on full moon day all kind of shit happens and we don't know why it's like in the air there is a poisonous energy it's the, like there is something which makes people wild in the air and you know we say in yoga if one day you just feel wild and say ah now today I must do something crazy boys let's go in town and get drunk and paint the town red you know break some window be wild you know why we are alive what the heck we are young it, just look up it's probably full moon it's probably full moon and you are going crazy because you are pumped up by some energy that you don't understand and don't see and don't feel and it makes you do stupid things and you are not the only one not the first and not the last and therefore the yogis say but we can feel this energy of the full moon we are aware of it we can control it we can move it and therefore it becomes possible if you do yoga it becomes possible to do things which are for normal people inaccessible, impossible, extraordinary. Oh, a yogi can do this and that. You'd be surprised. The yogis are not at all impressed by this kind of things. They say, what if you have electricity and you'd be able to go in an Amazon village where they've never seen electricity or 300 years ago. You just flash a light in front of all the children saying, hey, look at me, I'm a god, I can produce light, ta-da, ta-da, ta-da you'll feel crazy, right? You'll feel awkward, stupid to do such a thing. So you won't do it if you have any common sense. It's the same with the yogis. There are many yogis who are sitting in meditation, they discovered and felt many energies of nature that are not known today. But they are not going to flash it into your eyes to demonstrate what? It would feel so awkward, it would feel so primitive that they actually don't do it. That is why in India you might have heard that somebody did the trick of the rope and there is a photo with I don't know which Baba levitating and there is a photo of this. But funny enough, the giants of yoga, the real big ones, the Shivananda, Maharishi, Nisargadatta, Mananda Mai, the real big ones, they never did such things. They never exerted miraculous powers because they didn't need. For them it was something so normal it's just normal that if you sit and try to feel, you will get to know more. But why rub it in the face of people? Basically, the most beautiful legend which exists about, I mean the story, parable, it's not a legend, is the story with Buddha. Buddha sits on the shore of a river, there comes a young arrogant yogi, sits, stands in front of him and says, you are Buddha? Yes, Buddha says. Can you see anything special about me? Because every such person thinks that he is the best in the world. And Buddha looks at him and to disappoint him, to provoke him, looks at him and says, No. And this guy demonstrates. He sits down and he levitates in the air, crosses the river, comes back. Wow, what a stunt, a human being flying through the air and so on. So Buddha says, Now you watch. He goes to the boatman, gives him one rupee. The boatman crosses, brings him back. Buddha gets off the boat and says, See, the moral of it, according to Buddha, is this. If you spend 12 years to learn to fly, you are an idiot because I can do the same thing for one rupee. What is the big stunt that you have learned? Okay, you fly so you can make sensation. Go on the main street and make some money by showing your prowess in flying and everybody will think you are doing magic or whatever. So, 
what does it change your life when you turn home you are the same person I have actually met people who half flied in this Maharishi Mahesh Yogi TMCD program and then they came to learn yoga from me and they said why do you come to learn yoga from me you know you are a bigger yogi than I am you have been levitating I never made any demonstration of levitation in the class or anything so why should you come and learn yoga from me and they said because although I had this phenomenon when I turned back home I was the same person and I had the same ups and downs and nothing had been sorted out in my life basically so this is where the problem is yoga has a fourth level as well that's why the yogis don't care so much about this paranormal issue it's thrilling I must admit when I came to yoga I was very interested if the human mind can do telepathy and this and that and I haven't lost my childish interest in this kind of things but it is at the same time also true that when you discover the bigger things in yoga these things become very very insignificant the higher level of yoga that we spoke about health we spoke about life quality we spoke about paranormal things of the mind now let's speak about the spiritual level many people are afraid of the word spiritual because spiritual sounds as cult, guru, religion, soul, something it's a very slippery word uh, and you don't want to hear it but the yogis are very very down to earth because they don't own a religion and therefore they define, they say the spiritual realization of the human being is to be called self-realization because actually you have to realize yourselves you'll need to defend yourselves a bit of mosquitoes it's the mosquito time but luckily you are not doing asanas you'd see how it is when you do asanas to be with mosquitoes around like this one so um, what is spirituality in yoga that means uh, I said you may do 12 years of meditation and yet be not the meditation of this levitation I'm sorry training and although now you can fly in the air like blue bottle you are still unhappy you are still not fulfilled what is the point here the yogis have called it self-realization they said you cannot be fulfilled unless you understand who you are but this who am I self-realization know thyself has been vehiculated so much that it became discharged of all meanings everybody can say know thyself who am I very important issue but it's just blah 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 it does not contain the actual meaning of it that is why many people can ridicule it and they say yeah yeah yoga right spiritual part of yoga it's a bunch of no goods who instead of working hard or making children or doing I don't know what they are just sitting there and looking up their own navel and asking themselves who am I stupid concern after all I mean there are people who live their life dynamically involved in things you know why do you need to ask stupid questions I know who I am I'm Michael I'm 35 years of age I'm an engineer I'm nice why worry about things you know I mean why ask too much of the stupid questions this is the problem that people actually don't understand what we talk about the yogis when they speak about self-realization they don't speak about that you don't know who you are because then you should go to a mental hospital you are severely damaged if you don't know who you are as personality and as entity there's another story here and it's a very deep story and it will definitely catch you because it's something which we are not taught in school and it is something which we don't think too much at the implications of it 
the story of it is that actually we cannot define who we truly are that means it is easy for me to believe I am this but what if this changes because this changes I was a child I am adult I'll be old the body changes and yet I remain the same I not my temperament not my thoughts not my moods my mind will change my emotions will change my energy will change my body will change and yet I am always the same I never have the schizophrenic impression that now I am another I I am always the same I since childhood till now till old age even if I lose a part of my body in a horrible accident and my body changes drastically like I have no more legs I still am the same I that means my I does not depend on the body eventually and it does not depend on my energy and it does not depend on my emotions and it even doesn't depend on my mind I can look at myself and say I have this state of mind that means the state of mind is mine but who is this I who has it are you able to define what the I is because back there in your brains there is a function you can believe that it is a material function it's just a chemical of the brain okay the animals don't have it tough luck for them but we humans we have it we have a more developed brain and somewhere on top of the top of the intellectual capacities there appears this miraculous thing self-consciousness who am I? animals can't do this but we humans can hooray it's a function of the intelligence so what is this I after all that means behind those two eyes of yours now there is someone who looks at me and he tries to understand or she tries to understand what I'm saying and my question is who is that I who is that something which says I am inside each one of you is it the same with mine perhaps what is it where does it come from is it material is it energetical what is it made of can you influence it in any way can you have contact with it all the time what is this feeling of I am because everybody loves this feeling you know people would change anything but they would never they would always be afraid to lose their identity I can be like a chameleon you know I want to be more beautiful I want to be more wise I want to be more learned but I want to be I still I wouldn't give that for anything in the world I wouldn't exchange me with anything else what is this I after all because it seems we don't know some people would say yeah sounds like a deep philosophy is it really important now we are talking about what is the nature of consciousness let, let us leave this to scientists and to scholars and to philosophers you know I can live happy without that that means I have children I have family I'm eating I'm drinking I'm going to entertainment why worry about you know what's the nature of consciousness I am you know I'm just it's very simple life is simple I, I know who I am I'm just going on and on and on it's not true you haven't thought about it if you think like this the problem is not that we are investigating philosophy in the nature of consciousness the problem is that first of all we cannot live our life properly without it why? I'm going to demonstrate this in a second the spiritual reality is not just an intellectual curiosity who am I? What's in a, why am I I? what makes me be I? this also brings with it the, there are four fundamental questions in the family who am I? where do I come from? 
where do I go to and why am I here with the first three you can get rid of it easily who am I <clears throat> stupid question I am Jack you know forget about it I am a conscious being it's enough for me to know this I can be happy for the rest of my life right where do I come from what was I before I was this did I exist before I was this or what ah who cares you know I mean you will see when you will see you know now if you don't see don't forget about it right let's forget question number three where am I going to what will happen oh forget about it when it will come we will see time will tell right now the question number four is going to blow you because this one is catching is having a trap in it why am I here that means why have I been born everybody must have asked themselves at least once in their life this great question why are we we why are we here that means each one of you has a name is born in a certain body in a certain family you have a certain sex you are born in this historical time in a certain country and tonight you are here with me why is there any meaning to this is your life having a meaning that means the universe has sent you here with a purpose or not isn't that an interesting question because that interesting question is hiding a big trap the trap is actually we have to decide black or white if life has a meaning or not and there is no half answer to this one you cannot practice politically correctness and say sometimes there is and sometimes there isn't either there is a meaning of life or there isn't and then the big problem is like this in yoga I will not try to tell you oh there is a meaning of life and let me tell you the meaning of life never the yogis would never do this thing because nobody can give you that answer it's an answer which comes through yoga practice and meditation from inside and if it doesn't come from inside and you don't realize it it cannot come from outside it needs to come from inside that's why in yoga we never promise to people that will tell them the meaning of life we promise that we can teach them the methods by which meditating they can find it themselves that's the deal and basically what is the story as a yogi I wouldn't tell you that which is the meaning of life but I'll tell you like this if you believe that there is no meaning of life because unfortunately that is the conclusion of the wiseacre scientists of today you would be surprised that the real scientists I mean when you go to the level of Albert Einstein Werner Heisenberg uh, Niels Bohr Ernest Schrödinger Dirac and you name it all the giants all of them were very convinced that there exists a cosmic consciousness a meaning of life an intelligence of the universe and this you read Einstein and Saint Georgi and others it's like you read mystical books it's like you read books of spirituality when they make philosophy the Princeton Gnosis and others it's amazing because these big scientists they actually understood somebody asked Werner Heisenberg the man who took the Nobel Prize for the uh, principle of undetermination and they asked him how can a big scientist like you believe in God and Werner Heisenberg looked at the journalist and he said my dear I don't believe in God he said I know for a fact that God exists for me it's not a belief it's just common sense that I don't need to believe in God it's obvious only that you don't see it he said it's so obvious 
That is why I say the wiseacre scientists, because today people who did a little bit of a college and they have a degree in science, now they think that they are scientists and they can tell us everything about everything. And most of these people, they of course they are very materialistic, and either they are doctors or engineers or whatever they are, and they keep preaching loud, there is no meaning to life. Life is a biological accident. Life is a mathematical accident. What happens? Well, on this blasted planet, carbon and oxygen and nitrogen and whatever met, and there were the right conditions, and the lightning came at the right moment, and this is how life appears. They ignore to tell us that nobody ever, until today, has created life in the laboratory. It's never. It's just an assumption. But they claim that they can tell how life appears. There is no God, there is no cosmic consciousness, there is no spirit, and therefore there is no meaning of life. What is life? A coincidence. An incredible coincidence. What are you? You are just a mathematical mixture of a lot of chromosomes and genes. You are a statistical thing. You are basically an accident. You, you, did not exist before being this. The feeling of I am is just a thing generated by the chemistry of the brain. It's just a material thing. And basically you will not exist after you will die. So basically what is life? It's a total accident. The yogis would say you are welcome to believe this. But why don't you want to try it? In mathematics <coughs> there is a principle which is called reduction to absurdity. That means if you start from one idea and go on with the logic, it will take you to some stupid conclusion. And then obviously the primary idea was not good because it is illogical. So in this way the yogis say you can do the same. You believe that life is an accident, then why don't you try to live like this? For six months, for one year, try to live like this. Okay. I am an accident. There is no I, there is no soul, there is no past and no future, there is no consequences. Right. Means I can do everything. For example, if you believe you are an accident and life is just a 70 years chemical period where you seem to have an existence, you seem to exist but you are not. It's just some molecules moving inside you and you say I am, but actually you are not. It's just molecules, right? If you believe this, why for example shouldn't you kill somebody else? What, what is the value of life if it's just a coincidence? It's a mathematical factor. Does it have any value? Why shouldn't you kill everybody? Why shouldn't you push the red button then? Why shouldn't you rape, steal, rob, do everything? What is the value? Some people would say you shouldn't do it for the sake of society. That sounds like this Vajistanistic sheep thing. What is the society? Three billion individuals who are accidents are just a big accident. Society, humanity, is as much as an accident as you. If I am an accident, then this whole planet is just an accident. So who cares if it appears or if it disappears? It has no meaning. It's just an accident. It's an empty universe without consciousness, without God, without past, without future. So who cares that on some stupid planet in some stupid corner of a galaxy there appears this civilization and a life? If it disappears, who will cry? 
It's just molecules, right? The universe is made of atoms and molecules. That's the bottom line. And the yogis say, try. Try to live like this and see where it will take you. But we know that we as human beings, we can't believe this. It doesn't feel right that I am just some molecules who believe that they are something. And basically, <coughs> the yogis tell us a very alarming thing. If you believe that there may be a meaning of life, then please try to tell me what is it. Because if you cannot, you have got suddenly a major problem. That means you are already 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, whatever you are, and you don't know why you have been born. That's a very alarming thing to say. That means if I admit that it's possible that I should have been born for a purpose, then what is that purpose? Maybe the universe has sent me on this planet to compose a symphony like Beethoven. And look what I'm doing, I'm teaching yoga. I'm screwing up big time, right? Because I was born to make immortal music and I'm teaching yoga. Therefore, I'm a flop, I'm a fiasco, I'm a failure. And I wouldn't like to be rich to be 70 and suddenly when I am on the threshold of my grave to look back at my life and to say, oh, what have I done with my life? I've screwed up. I've lived for nothing. I was actually born to do something else and I didn't do it. Ah, shit. Better luck next time. You don't want to do that, right? And that is exactly where the point is. <coughs> if there is a chance that life has a meaning, then it is very very, very urgent to discover what is the meaning of your life because the clock is ticking and every minute which is passing maybe you are going the opposite way maybe you are born to do something and what you do these days is exactly opposite what you are supposed to do what will you do? wouldn't it be nice to find out today because at least if I understand myself and what I am born for then I can do it it's a matter of strategy. If I know that I'm playing chess, I know why I play chess. If I fight a war, I know why I fight a war. I have a strategy. But if I live, why do I live? Oh, people just have this try thing. Oh, I'm just living to be happy. I'm alive, just eat and sleep and procreate and that's the essence of life. This is a very, very sad answer. It shows indeed lack of thinking. That means if there is a meaning to life, it's very urgent to find it. That is why the yogis say, look, this is not a philosophical question. I'm sitting there and asking, who am I? It's urgent, because this is my life. I am in the middle of my life, and perhaps yet I don't know why. Who sent me here and why? Therefore, this is a matter of strategy, because in life we take decisions. If tomorrow you take a decision, like for example you say, I'm going to pack my luggage and go to call Samui. Why? Question. Why? In the name of what? For example, I would say, if I have seated myself here on this chair and I start to teaching yoga to you, I am doing it with a purpose. I know why I do it. I'm not doing it just because I felt that I should go and sit there. It's a thing which makes part of what I believe that I am meant to do, else I wouldn't do it. That means each and every human being must find out what their meaning is, why you are born. 
What have you been sent to do? And do that thing. You want to accomplish your goals. You don't want to fail your goals. And the time is passing. And the more it is passing, the shorter it becomes for accomplishing the goal. I think it was uh, a yogi of India who said that uh, living your life without knowing where you go, it's like mailing a, bo- a letter in the mailbox without writing the address or anything on it. Nobody can send it anywhere. It has no address. It cannot even be returned to you because it doesn't have your address. So what will it happen? It will end in the garbage box. If you don't know where you come from and where you go to, how will you take decisions? Because if I am playing chess, I know why I move a pawn. It's deliberate move to accomplish my goal. Maybe I'll win, maybe I'll not. That's a different story. But at least I'm playing chess with a purpose. And if I'm living, shouldn't I live with a purpose as well? Because else, how should I know? If tomorrow I should stay, tomorrow I should go, tomorrow I should fast, tomorrow I should eat, I should turn vegetarian, I should not, I should be a nice person, I should be a bad person, I should be moral, I should be immoral. How should I decide? In the name of what? If I am a general, if I know that my goal is there, then I am taking steps to go there. But if I don't know where I go, which steps I will take? In the name of what? That's why the yogis say it's very urgent to know what the meaning of life is, because first of all you need to know where you want to go and only then you will actually start doing the long trip fulfilling what you dream fulfilling that is why the yogis say that you see that this problem of who am I is a very very urgent problem it is a very practical daily life problem and to live in ignorance of yourself actually means to live in ignorance of why you have been born and meanwhile your life is passing and soon you will find yourself old and you still found, didn't find out why you have been born to start with. And this is a pretty sad situation of fact. That is why the yogis say, first of all, we need knowledge, right? First of all, we want to know, because else we can as well suicide. The life has no meaning. Why do we live? Just to be like chop in the wind, pushed from here to there, you know, by forces like full moon and others that we don't see and understand, you know. This is a stupid concept of freedom. Yeah, I do whatever I want. Right, so do animals. That doesn't make a big difference, right? Animals in the nature also do what they want, and it doesn't lead them anywhere, spiritually speaking. So in this way, I'm having here a big issue. The knowledge, the understanding of who I am, which is urgent. The yogis say this is also related with happiness. I'm not going to make a long story tonight about this, but you can simply realize that people who have been rich didn't become happy. Look at Emmanuel of Rothschild or whatever, the inheritor of the Rothschild family, who committed suicide some eight years ago. The Rothschild family is probably the most rich family on the earth. They are way beyond what is known. They were talking about more than hundreds of billions of dollars. These people, they can buy whole countries if they want. And this guy, who was the inheritor of this family, committed suicide. Stupid, right? You would like to have a million dollars or a billion dollars, each and every one of you. And yet, it didn't make him happy. He committed suicide. So didn't power. There have been so many emperors and kings who ended in misery and in boredom. Look at all the Alexander the Greats and all the Napoleons of history. They had the power to kill 10,000 people per day if they wanted. And did it serve them something? Nothing. It served them nothing. They died in misery and they died in sorrow. 
So in yoga, we know people are searching for happiness where it isn't. The workaholic thinks that if you work his ass and become expert in computers or whatever, he will be happy because he will have a good career. Bummer. It doesn't happen. The rapist thinks that if you will rape a delicious woman, you will get happy because whatever. Bummer. It doesn't happen. The murderer thinks that if you will kill his adversary, he will get happy because he will eliminate the only person in this world who stays in the way of his happiness. Bummer. It doesn't happen. The robber thinks that if you will rob a bank and get 500,000 in a sack and run with them and get away with it, he will be happy because bummer. It doesn't happen. So where is this happiness? You know, people come to India to be happy, to learn meditation and to find wisdom. And Indian boys, they would donate a kidney to move to Canada or to Denmark or to wherever. And when they go there, it's a big bummer, right? In Denmark, oh, there is money, social system, everything is nice. The bus is coming straight at the minute. Electric power never stops. You know, it's a real Czech society. Biggest rate of suicide biggest rate of drug consumption, biggest rate of psychiatric consultation hours, alcohol, tobacco, you name it. Where is the big happiness? The Danes are going to India to find happiness and the Indians want to immigrate to Denmark. The grass is greener in the neighbor's yard, right? Everybody thinks that happiness depends on material things and oh, only if I had a million dollars, then you would see how happy I would be. Oh, only if I would be king, Oh, only if I would have a beautiful girlfriend, then you would see how happy I would be. And then it happens, and you are not happy yet. You are never happy with this kind of things. It never happens actually this way. Try it. Look around you. People say, I'll have a family and it will make me happy. Really? I don't have anybody in my family who became happy because of his family. I haven't seen any. No uncles, grandparents, cousins, nobody. Haven't seen anybody who became happy. Children. To say that children make you happy is to say that animals have rich gratitude because animals also have children and maternal instincts and it doesn't make them more than animals. That, and on the other hand, think, if your child is going to be the next Jack the Ripper, you are not going to be very happy about making such a child. Can you be sure that you are not going to make the next Jack the Ripper? No, you can't. So what is the big bliss about all these things? Isn't it a sheep thing? That's why I said people are sheep most often. Isn't it a sheepish thing to bang your head where a billion people banged it before you? I mean, your grandmother didn't do it, Napoleon didn't do it, Rothschild didn't do it, and you still want to try the same stupid things. It, it wouldn't it be intelligent to try something else. That means if we see that they didn't get it, they didn't get it, wouldn't it be uh, wise to take a deep breath and to say, forget about it, I'm not going to do that stupid thing like everybody else. And at least I'm going to try to be original, to search it in somewhere else where it might still be. Wouldn't it be a wise thing to listen to a Ramana Maharishi or to a Buddha or to a Jesus who say, I found it, please open your eyes, open your ears. Hey, there is a voice crying in the desert. There is one here who says, I have found something eternal, happiness, bliss, unalloyed bliss, your true nature. Come, wake up, come to it. It is... Shivananda writes it on one of his books so beautifully, it is so sad, so sadly true what he writes, so uh, it, it simply touches you so deep. He says, eating, sleeping, drinking, procreating, a little laughter and a lot of tears. Is this all there is to life? He says on the cover of one of his books and then he concludes with a wonderful sentence. He says, don't die like a worm on the surface of this planet. Wake up, he says, and be what you can be, because you are much more than this. 
the life is not made only of these things just this elementary animal type of freedom that you do and eat and come and go and so on there must be something else we are endowed with this conscience we are endowed with this self-inquiry which doesn't let us which says who are we why are we here we are beings of life we could conquer the universe why don't we stand up and stop crawling in instinct and low emotions and things like this let's be beautiful let's be great let's be bright let's be good let's be wonderful can't we aspire to more perfection this is exactly what the yogis tell us there is a possibility to reach happiness but not if you search it in the wrong places look carefully where it can be thirdly freedom everybody wants freedom right where is freedom who is free you are not free from social regulations your boss tells you what to do your government tells you what to do your family and friends tell you what to do if you don't behave you will be put in prison you will be rejected by everybody they will not play ball with you anymore is this a freedom? no, it's not much freedom metaphysically it's a joke I mean are you free with your lives? you don't know why you have been born you don't know when you are going to die you don't know if you are going to be sickly or strong all your life you don't know if your marriage is going to be a success or a fiasco you don't know if your child is going to be Albert Einstein or Jack the Ripper basically you don't know anything what do you control? we control nothing the truth is that we are prisoners in a cage and this cage is like our life you know sometimes it can be pleasant and then it's just a golden cage but still a cage we are coordinated by forces that we don't understand and we are just bound to be born to live and die it's like we are pushed from behind into this and what is worse the Indians the Indian metaphysics says it's not only one time of a cage it's forever samsara says Buddha it's like a circle it's like you are running in a circle you'll never get out of it it's just again and again and again and again thousands and thousands of lives until one day you'll get fed up and you'll say oh boy this shit must stop it's like the groundhog day you know it's the same day again and again when will it stop is there a way out of this game can we stop it can we go further please to something new and beautiful (coughs) yes we can says yoga but this freedom comes when you stop living instinctually and blindly until that day you are like a sleepwalker you are like a person fumbling in a dream you don't know who you are you are moving and talking in your dream that's what Gurdjieff have said very bitterly and basically the thing is that you need to wake up life becomes life when you wake up until then it's just a blind movement according to some forces that you do not coordinate so the yogis say you want to live indeed you want to live like Buddha you want to live like Shiva the lord of the yogis to dance the dance of the universe then wake up wake up and be free then you will be able to do whatever you want because in that moment you are awake and therefore self-realization is very meaningful it's not just a game with words it's actually a concrete (coughs) moment when you get the point I can tell you because that is the surprising thing for everybody that this self-realization is a process which looks very much like when you get an idea it's exactly like somebody told you a joke and you don't get it and suddenly he tells it again and ah oh I got it ha 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 it's what is this state when you get it when it pops up in your mind or like you are a scientist you look for a solution to a mathematical problem 
and you don't get it and suddenly ah ah I saw it it must be like this or you simply get an idea a revelation it's like Archimedes with his famous Eureka Eureka I discovered <coughs> self-realization is just like this it is a moment when something which is very obvious pops up in your mind and that is why it is so irritating in a way because great yogis who reached it they tell us it has always been there it is so elementary because to say who am I is the most elementary thing of them all and yet we are not in that state so we are but we are not we can say who am I for five seconds but then we forget so quickly and that is why the yogis say you need to have this moment it's a moment of revelation of awakening and at least from that moment you say wow now I saw who I am and at least I know what this is and why I am here it's time to start the big trip it's time, it's time to start dancing because at least now I am free and whatever happens accidents, obstacles, things nothing can take my happiness away because now I'm not searching for the money of Rothschild now I have found out why I exist I'm at peace with myself and with the universe everything is a dance that is why the yogis are encouraging they say find self-realization because without it life has no meaning there is just blindness there is just instinctual action at the behest of some forces that we don't control and we don't see that is why, as I'm saying again and again, the yogis are so practical, so down to earth. Some people can say, oh, but spiritual realization means immortality, nirvana, uh, freedom from the chain of many reincarnations, to see God, to become one with God. There are so many definitions of it, but the yogis say, stay cool. It's just self-realization. Find out who you are and you will know the universe it was the prophet Muhammad in the Quran who said he who knows himself knows God so very simple it was the ancient Greeks who said know thyself and you shall know the universe that is the essence of everything that is why all the philosophers Lao Tzu and so many others they said you should know yourself but it's you know it's so very few people who actually think about whoa let's stop a little bit from this mad carousel and stop a little bit and look to ourselves see what we are who we are we actually live but we don't know why we live maybe we should commit suicide you know Jean-Paul Sartre the father of existentialism he said that this life is so depressive that he could as well commit suicide and maybe it's true you know many students many French students especially they committed suicide on the tomb of Sartre actually just because so they had to put police guard on his tomb because too many people were suiciding on that tomb <coughs> shooting themselves or whatever so basically, yes, this is it. We are searching for the meanings. We are searching for happiness. We are searching for freedom. And now let me give you some final, some final considerations. This spiritual thing is a big adventure. People who are in the spiritual thing, they feel so much they are alive. It's so much of a thing to search for something which not so many people search. It is so much of a thing to realize that there exist unknown forces of the nature that there exist unknown methods of healing the body that there exist so many levels of consciousness 
that there exists forbidden science, things which are not be told officially and which could save this humanity of a lot of problems, to realize that perhaps there is so much manipulation, that there are so many moral and ethical issues in this world. It is so beautiful to have the courage to explore your emotions and to be able to use them creatively, not to be dry and pompous and boring, to be able to use your sexuality, to be able to use your relationship, to be able to use everything which the nature has for playing a spiritual game, not feeling guilty, not being afraid that you are going to reach in hell, not being afraid that you are going to become ill or whatever, but just being free to play this game. And I want to tell you, many people believe, and I'm telling you from the beginning, don't believe that because it's not true, and I can demonstrate it, on people who tell you that spirituality is a demanding thing. Spirituality is a difficult thing and you'll have to be serious and to give up a lot of fun and to do spirituality. Who will do spirituality if it would be like this? I mean, you are having to hammer your fingers for 25 years and you don't even know if you'll reach anything because it may be a fairy tale, a dream. No, it's not true. All the great yogis, they have never expressed regret. Oh, it's true, now I am Swami Shivananda, I am a big yogi, but if you'd know how many things I had to give up, I had to give up this, I had to give up this, I couldn't do this, but I reached Nirvana. Have you ever heard any of the great yogis starting with Buddha and Jesus and Mahavira and whatever and finishing with the 20th century giants with Yogananda, Shivananda, Maharishi and others? No, none of them, because in spirituality you never have this feeling. In spirituality you are not supposed to do things which you don't want to do. You are supposed to do those things in which you believe a lot. Ah, somebody can say, isn't it true that some spiritual people become vegetarian and therefore they cannot enjoy meat? Yes, it is true. Not everybody in spirituality, but some do. But those who do, they do because they want it. It's exactly as you'd reproach to somebody, why don't you eat shit, you know, because dogs like shit and they consider it very nice. And you don't eat it, not because you refrain from it, but because for you it is unacceptable, you don't want it. It's the same here. If somebody is keeping some diet because they feel it, that they want to do so, that's not a restriction. It's something which you do with your heart. Your heart is singing. I actually want to do this. For me, it's wonderful to do this. So therefore, I'm telling you with the experience of one who has been in spirituality for 20-something years. You, when you look back in spirituality, you never regret. You always perhaps regret that you didn't do much enough. You always say, if I could start all over again, I would do the same thing and I would do two times more if I could and if I would have the time. I would organize myself better or whatever. You know, because there is never regret. Spirituality does not mean that you are going to lose anything of what you want in your life. You can do all the things that you want until one day you will get fed up with them and say, you know what, this thing which I did until today, from today, Heck with it. I don't want to do it anymore. I feel I have to give it up. I, I don't like it anymore. I don't know why. And this is how it goes. It comes from you. It's not that somebody tells you, you have to do this. You have to do this. No. It doesn't work that way. It comes from you. That is why spirituality is not painful. It's not a torture. You don't have to do any hardship on yourself in this way. It's a beautiful thing in which you feel so very happy. And many people when they come to spirituality, they start feeling for the first time in my life, I'm doing the right thing. It feels like I have come home. 
It feels like suddenly I discovered what was missing in my life and I'm, I'm feeling I'm doing the right thing. And the last thing, some people believe that spirituality is a kind of death. When you read stories about Buddha and stuff, what is spirituality? It's a kind of sophisticated suicide, isn't it? Because you come to spirituality, you are just a normal, lovely human being. You sit and do meditation for 12 years or whatever, and then one day you reach nirvana. Rest in peace, right? Because when you have reached nirvana, you become a boring nothing. I mean, people who have reached nirvana, they don't eat cakes, they don't dance, they don't make love, they don't enjoy company, they don't understand what friendship is, blah, 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 blah. That's perhaps what you think because you read the wrong books. In practice, experience shows that when you look at the lives of Buddha himself, and over Jesus, over Shivananda, over Ramakrishna, or you choose it out of those who reached, you will never see boring people, dead people. You will see lively people. You will see wild people, people who were controversial, who were revolutionaries, who were, I mean, people who were surrounded by controversy, by love, by action. Some of them changed the history of this planet, actually, a lot. And basically we are not talking about people who are dead because the yogis say when you reach self-realization your life begins it doesn't end it wasn't a life until then only you thought it was a life but it wasn't it's like you never tried the opposite but try the opposite and then make the comparison what it was and that is why the yogis say yoga is an invitation to life when you reach samadhi or whatever you would call it in yoga nirvana or whatever self-realization you are not dying you are not becoming disgusted of everything and everybody and you will just sit and wait for your death on the contrary then you will feel that you can do anything only in a state of self-realization you can really enjoy cakes or books or movies or lovemaking or friendship or whatever it is because then you can go to the bottom of it you are not half asleep you are not unconscious and that is why you even in yoga the guru of the gurus of yoga the starter of the tradition of yoga is mythologically in India Shiva and Shiva is definitely not a dead symbol in India he is a dancer he dances wild he is a hunter and destroyer of demon a crusader for the cause of goodness and he lives on Mount Kailash with Parvati and when they make love the Mount Parvati is shaking of how hard they are making love this is definitely not a dead guy we are talking about Shiva as the archetype of the yogis is very much alive the invitation of yoga is be like Shiva become one with Shiva that's what it is it's of course it's a symbol it's an archetype it's not a religious thing one day I'll explain to you what this is just come back to the self-realization thing it's an invitation to be the master of reality to become master of your life and to enjoy it in a conscious way it's not to become boring or dull sometimes you can go in monasteries and religious places and see a lot of boring flop type of people people who fail and they are just boring and dull those are the people who actually did not do spirituality actually the yogis say this is how you recognize a fake spiritual person that they torture themselves they become sour they become condemning poking figures at everybody and so on 
and basically they don't experience the happiness, they don't reach the real state of fulfillment. The yogis say that you have to reach this state. It's not about dogmas, it's not about religions, it's not about theology, it's not about stupid observances, it is about doing what you feel that is right for your own heart and soul, and therefore being happy with it until the day when you reach that state. How long time will it take before you will reach self-realization? Nobody can tell. Ramana Maharishi reached it at the age of 17 in five minutes. He got afraid of death, he entered in panic, he entered in a state of Turiya, he fell back on his back in bed, and he had his first state of Samadhi because of a terrible fear of death. The Guru of Ramakrishna took 40 years instead. So one took five minutes, one took 40 years, some people took one year, some people took 12 years, some people didn't do it in one life, if they were lazy and they didn't do. Some people, you know, Yogananda Paramahamsa says, if you don't do anything about it, you will also become a Buddha. But it may take a million years and five to ten thousand lifetimes in this universe. If you want to wait for a million years, you are welcome. Everybody will be a Buddha. Even the bugs which bug us tonight, says Buddha, one day they will reach Buddhahood. Only that it will take many, many cosmic cycles, many billions of years before those spirits will reach to the complexity of the Buddhahood. You, human, human beings, normal, intelligent, free, all of you here tonight in this hall, you have the opportunity to reach this state, here, now, in this life. It's just a matter of trying it, because nothing will come without asking. First you need to ask, and then it shall be given to you. That is why the yogis encourage everybody who is a human being and conscious and wants to do this experiment should do it because actually this is nothing else but acceleration of a process which is natural. That means evolution of the spirit is natural. Either you know about it or you don't know, either you want it or not, your spirit is evolving and it is rising higher and higher till that exalted state. If you want it to happen in a million years, do it. Yogis are generally the people who don't have patience and they say I can't risk to wait for another 5,000 years, I want it now. If I caught God by the ankle right now, I'm going to hold on and try to do it. So that means I don't know when will I get this information again. Because look around me how many millions of people there are who don't know anything about this and it's like we live in two parallel worlds. For me it's obvious that it is like this and they couldn't care less about what I do. So basically I don't want to risk to be like them another time. If now I got this knowledge, I go for it. That's why some people have this sense of urgency. I want to do this yoga thing and I want to give it a try, especially because I don't have to renounce everything. Think, there have been yogis who have been vegetarian, there have been yogis who have been non-vegetarian, there have been yogis who have been married, there have been yogis who have been not married. There have been yogis who had children, there have been yogis who didn't have children. There have been yogis who even had some jobs or did business or whatever like Gurdjieff and others. There have been yogis who stayed in a cave and meditated. Basically everything is possible. You are not forced into a pattern. You can choose your way, live with it, be happy, do the necessary efforts, but never forget why you are on this planet. Never forget that there is a holy purpose in us and we cannot forget about it. It's like we betray our own soul. It's like we betray our own nature. We want more. We don't want just a biological life of eating and sleeping and this. 
we are yearning for more that is what yoga is it's an invitation to this beautiful thing so either you are interested in health or powers of the mind or spiritual realization or just improving your daily life yoga is there that's what we do here you are getting information about yourself nature what we do day by day you will learn more it is obvious that one month course is not complete but at least it will give you a very good start we made it specially so intensive that you should come twice a day so you basically don't have time to do anything else just to eat and to rest a little bit so we'll pump you hard with yoga in 24 days of yoga you will get a lot of things you will be able to compare it with the knowledge that you get from books and elsewhere and in this way we hope to give you a good start in yoga you know that in this school you've probably heard there are people who have been doing this yoga for one year, for two years, for some years some of them have been around for three, four years I have friends and pupils who have been in yoga for eight years, ten years, whatever all of them feel very comfortable about it, they feel very happy about it it's not a sect, it's not a cult, it's not a religion it's just a quest for ourselves in which we use some methods which are known since thousands of years and have been preserved secret and it is a blessing for all of you who can hear about these things and get to know them and use them perhaps one day you will teach them to others and help other people to reach more health, more harmony, more peace and why not to reach self-knowledge that is what we do, that's what this course is about of course you see it starts with simple things chakras, health, energies, things like this as we go deeper and deeper every week, every day, every month, every year the teaching becomes deeper and deeper as to empower you to reach deeper and deeper things in yoga it all after all depends on you here you can just get the knowledge and the support for this with this I have made the introduction of it I have told you tonight ah, what we do what this thing about if it has been ringing a bell into your consciousness it means I'm going to see you tomorrow morning again of course others will come as well along the path and in this way you will be witnessing this there's no obligation neither to come for the whole period or not you ask the others, you come when you want if you don't want to come you don't come anymore if you want to come two days you come two days if you want to come two years you come two years This was a live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati for more information, visit us on agamayoga.com or go directly to agamayoga.com slash downloads.